Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome one and all to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. I'm Adam Minahan, sitting here with Mr. Cooler than the other side of the pillow, David Niles. Yo. To my right, to my left, is Father Sean Donovan, and we are going to have... Is your mic okay, Dave? Are you... It's all right. I'm just fixing it. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, we have an awesome show for you today. I can't wait to talk about the Winged Hussars. In fact, we had a special segment a year ago talking with Father Sean Donovan. And was we it were, only a year ago? I was thinking it was even two years maybe ago. Maybe two years yeah. ago. Uh, and I real, we realized this should just be a show. This is, this is too good. Next time, next time this comes around. And so I wanted to make sure we, we blocked off... I actually sent you an email, Father, what, like two months ago or a month and a half ago? Just to make sure. Just to make sure that you were available because this is going to be such a fun topic. One that I had no idea about until Father Sean Donovan talked to us about it. Yeah. So, came on. He came on uh, and we did some extra content and just basically blew our minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wild. Isn't it a crazy story? It is crazy. And almost nobody knows about it. Yeah. So much so that you actually talk to Catholics and they'll say things like, because I'll say briefly, oh, I'm going to be on the Catholic Man Show. We're going to talk about the different, you know, like the relationship between September 11th, 1683 and September 11th, 2001. They're like, so did you make that up? <laughs> yeah. Exa- well, no. I mean, no, I didn't. No, I did not. When Dave was telling somebody a- after Mass today, after Holy Mass today, he was telling them, like, here's what we're going to talk about. And they were like, I had no idea of any of this kind of... We were talking about, like, we're going to talk about the Winged Hussars, we're going to talk about croissants, we're going to talk about 9-11, we're going to talk about Our Lady, and how they all connect. And there was just like, yeah. what? What? Yeah. Yeah, Mary, 9-11, and croissants. <laughs> <laughs> one event, people. One event. That's right. Dave, happy birthday. Thank you. Today is your birthday. 33. You know, I really feel like this is the year I will achieve perfect virtue. This is, and it was so... This is it. This so me, and, me and Jesus, you know, I feel like year. connection to him. Well, you something. know, Ben Franklin had a similar approach, right? He said that he was going to approach a different virtue uh, and perfect it. Each year. Each year for 10 years. You heard this story. Mm-hmm. You notice the one virtue that was off of his list. Humility. Humility. Because mm-hmm. he was not David Giles Niles. That's right. If they used your... Saint of the day, because St. Charles is David Humble not. Yeah, it was That's so right. funny that the readings were all about humility today on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like... It was right and just. If Dave, I don't... It was truly right and just. If I don't achieve perfect virtue this year, it's just not going to happen at all. That's right. <laughs> That's how I feel. Are you saying you're dying this year? <laughs> no. I just think, you know, if it doesn't happen now, it's probably never going to happen. Because this is the 30... We can hope. You know, 33, me and Jesus... You know, uh, speaking of humility, um, St. Bernard, St. Bar- Bernard, however you 
want to say his name, of Clairvaux, he said that the three most important virtues are humility, humility, and humility. And what do we learn from this? That St. Bernard couldn't count. (laughs) (laughs) He was terrible at math. He was really bad at math. Yeah, Yeah. that's the takeaway. Anyway. So you also have wine. Yeah, can we get get into this? Because this is very exciting. I would like to. Juan, will you go to the Bev cam really fast? Uh, So... If you if you look on, you can go to YouTube or you can you can go to Facebook Live and check out our our video right now. We have the Catholic Man Show wine that we're gonna have today. It's called the Winged Hussar Red wine by the the Catholic Man Show. Now this is a, a Cabernet wine that's been soaked in Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels. Ooh, so, aged aged would you say? Yeah, aged would be better than soaked. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but so, and our artwork was was done by Jason Zimdars, who is a Council of Man member. He supports the Catholic Man Show. He's out of Oklahoma City. Uh, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TheCatholicManShow to support us. And the only reason why we're able to have something like this, like our own wine, is from supporters. They were able to. There you go, Dave. Yeah, we're there. Uh, they support us. Everything that's uh, everything that we're given on the Catholic Man Show goes right back into the show. Dave and I do not take a cut. So we're able to do this, and we're about to be able to launch it worldwide. Well, maybe not, I shouldn't say worldwide. At least throughout the country. Um, the, the legality of sending wine across state lines is a little difficult because each state has their own alcohol laws. So we have to make sure that we are abiding by law. <laughs> well good, done. That was a good sound. That was a good it's sound. It's one of the best sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're about to be able to launch it. We're going to be going to the winery that, that makes this Water's Edge wine for us and having an official launch party here pretty soon. Did you have to do a lot of tasting to pick out your kind we of did. wine? We did. We did a lot of tasting. Which That's really tough. It was it was, it was a cross that we bared, yeah. but we bared wow. it well. Wow. Yes. That's excellent. Um, did your wives help? They did. They, they did, actually. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Good. Faithful, uh, so, faithful wives. So anyway, we're really excited about this wine. We're really excited to to get it out to everybody. Like I said, it's a it's a red cab that's aged in Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels. Buffalo Trace is a uh, is an excellent bourbon whiskey. If you like Wellers or Pappies or Blantons, any of those whiskeys are all distilled by the same distillery, Buffalo Trace. So anyway, without Further ado, Dave, you ready? Let's do this. One of the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Cheers. And to the country of Poland. Yes. So I'm anxious just to see what you think. Oh, that's good. It's different. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. Mm. And who composed that toast of yours? Uh, St. Benedict did. No. Near, soon to be Saint. <laughs> Pope oh, Benedict the 16th. You're right. Right. Pope Benedict. <laughs> yes. Not Saint not Pope Saint Benedict. Right. Not yet. As someday he may be he known. May well be. But he's not even dead yet, so not yet. You know. Pope Benedict. Thanks be to God, we need him in the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Very holy. There man. I've heard some people say that they think he may even he stands a shot at being considered a, a doctor of the church someday. Yep. yep. Just because his his writings have been very influential. Dave, but anyway, tell, tell us about the wine. I love this wine. Uh, it's super, super good. When you drink it, you can tell that is not a $5, $10 bottle of wine. Um, 
I mean, I've said it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Everything's better aged in bourbon barrels. <laughs> I'm considering aging my own children in bourbon barrels, um, and this is no exception. What do you think, Padre? I think if you like whiskey and you like wine, you're gonna like this. Yes, but the 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 whiskey's not too strong. I've no, it's had not. I've had some wines that have been aged in bourbon barrels that are. It's like it's so strong. It, it's it's like stings the nostrils. Right. Yeah. No, this is very, very Did you smooth. say wine that, that's that way? Because yes. I've even had beer, some beer that's like, wow, okay, I get it. You put it in bourbon <laughs> barrels. Right. <laughs> but this is 14.2% uh, alcohol, so mm -hmm. it's um, higher than the average 12%, you know, 11 or 12% wine. But it's very smooth, mm -hmm. and it's not acrid. Sometimes wines will just smell bad even before you even taste them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very nice. Yeah. Well one thing. Done. One thing about wine that I did not know when we were going through these the the wine tasting process, we, we were taught a few things. One, if you'd like more, you ask, "Can I revisit this wine?" Yeah. Revisit. You don't. You don't ask. Wow. You say, "Can I have more wine?" You say, I, th "I think I'd like to revisit that wine." Wow. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. All also, right. when you smell the wine, you actually smell on the the top end of the glass. Yeah. So if you tilt it towards you. And then smell the top end. You want to kind of put, smell around the the top of the glass. It yeah. changes. You like get you, you get the fruit. That's where you can pick up the fruity notes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And on this one, I, I'm getting some grape. <laughs> maybe, maybe some <laughs> yeah. red grapes. Yeah. yeah, maybe Cabernet grape. I don't know. I yes. could be wrong about that. This but wine I, tastes red. <laughs> But you can drink it alone like we are, or you can drink it with, I mean, with a steak would go very well. Oh, yes. yeah. So there's actually a scientific reason why you would drink wine with steak. Okay. Uh, you know how, imagine if you were to swish your mouth around with some vegetable oil or olive oil. Well, let's not do that. Ugh. I mean, yeah. but it would coat your mouth, right? You mm -hmm. wouldn't be, mm -hmm. it's not like you could just spit it out and now the oil's out of your mouth. It's going to be all over. Sure. Okay, so when you eat a steak, the fat in the steak has a tendency to do that because it's the fatty oil that will coat your mouth will do that to your tongue and in your mouth, okay? And so the acidity of the wine acts like soap to oil and actually cuts that layer of fat that might be building up on your tongue. So you, you drink wine with your steak so that you can continue to taste your steak better. Because, you know, your first bite of steak, it just tastes the best. I mean, and that's for other reasons as well. Because you're steak. hungriest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's diminishing returns, you know, with this kind of thing. All but, good things. But the yeah. red wine, there's a scientific reason. It doesn't just taste good together. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know that until uh, <laughs> Brian Dean told us. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, so uh, Winged Hussar... Red Wine by the Catholic Man Show. We're going to have this available first to our Patreon members for anybody who uh, supports us, but then to the public as well. I'm really excited. I'm really hoping we can get this going within the next two to three weeks. Like I said, we're we're in the process of finalizing the legalities of everything. Yeah. yeah. We make sure that we, we do not break the law. Totally, because I want to stay out of prison and... <laughs> stuff but when we get back we're gonna jump straight into the topic we're not gonna have a man gear today we're gonna jump straight into the topic talking about the winged hussars croissants our lady 9-11 muslims and coffee and coffee hang in there we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass cheers 
Cheers. Cheers. Have you all had a chance to drink this before? And welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan and our friend Father Sean Donovan. Father Sean, uh, ev- virtually every time I talk to you, you blow my mind about something. <laughs> All right. I, at least I learn. I, I learn quite a bit. In fact, to uh, the first time you blew my mind was on Labor Day three years ago. Uh, at the Wiffle Ball Tournament, which is tomorrow. Oh, that is tomorrow, yeah. Yes. I wish, I, I wish I'd like to, I'd like, love to yeah. go, but I'll yeah. there. Uh, I've been brushing up on my pitches. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> via YouTube. I mean, I, I, don't, oh, I don't actually own a Wiffle Ball, so I... <laughs> but you're learning technique. I can't, I can't practice. If only you had children. Yeah. Oh, I do. Uh, then but, you could buy a Wiffle Ball. Well, I have girls. That's okay. They can girls swing. Girls can play sports. They can swing. I, we have a T-ball. We have a T. Anyway. Anyway. Thank you for being here. Uh, I just know we're going to blow everybody's mind today. Yeah. Even if you've heard this story before, it's still mind-blowing to just hear all the facts laid out well again. So would you summarize the show like you did right after Mass? What did you say that we're going to cover? So that we're going to cover... Okay, we're going to talk about Mary, 9-11, croissants, and coffee. And Hussars. And the Winged Hussars. Right. Mainly the Winged Hussars. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the show is. Yeah, you could say that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a great book that I'd recommend. that We have some laid out here on the table. There's a great book that I came across recently called Sword and Scimitar by Raymond Ibrahim. And uh, he's written a, a number of books, and he was also uh, a librarian at the... At, I think it was actually the... Yeah, the Libraries of Congress. Uh, but anyway, okay. so he's, he's a scholar who's... Translated texts that have never been translated from both Arabic and Greek. And he's covering 14 centuries of war between Islam and the West. And so it goes back to the beginning and uh, the roots of, of conflict in jihad. What does that mean? He also is able to explain basically the whole theology behind sleeper cells, right? Hmm. In something called taqiyah. And uh, so there are eight chapters, eight battles, four wins, four losses, and the last one is the Siege of Vienna, which we've spoken about before. And so that was in 1683. That was one of the attempts to invade Europe through Vienna. And that was the last major battle uh, for the West, uh, between the West and Islam. And in that uh, bibliography of that book, I've got a few other books to back it up. Probably the most helpful is John Stoy's The Siege of Vienna, and he is a scholar from Magdalen College in Oxford. And the, the entire book is just about this battle. Hmm. So these others are kind of more surveys, uh, like Islam at the Gates by Dan Moksar. And then you have Enemy at the Gate, Andrew Wheatcroft. I saw that movie. Yeah, I think it's different. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, then we also have a text from the early 1700s, 1711, uh, and it actually has an early account 
of these battles, including what happened after, spoiler alert, the Muslims lost. So anyway, so that's that's pretty great to have such a an older text for it. So uh, how about you all tell me the story of the Wing Hussars as you tell your family, like Juan tells his kids before they dress up for Halloween. How do you tell the story of the Wing Hussars? And I'll fill in some gaps or add a little bit of color commentary. How about that? I'll do it. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Okay. So when I would when I tell the story, I say first, you've heard of the Battle of Lepanto. Almost everybody has heard of the Battle of Lepanto. N- very not everybody's heard of the Battle of Vienna. Right. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. In that you, you could just say, oh, well, have you heard of the Battle of fill in the blank? You know, it's like there's a lot of battles. Right. Um, doesn't mean anything to them. So you know, I'll say the Muslims they got in all these boats. They tried to come and invade Europe. They didn't anticipate Spain having also having some <laughs> nice boats themselves. Have a, a big naval fleet. And also uh, praying the rosary so well, you know, because the Battle of Lepanto was won by praying the rosary. And the winds actually changed. Right. Right. Yeah. Th- there's a lot of details. Yeah. I don't go, won't in, go into it. I don't go into it, you know, because they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then that's where we get the, uh, the feast, Our Lady of the Rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, from that that big important victory, October seventh next month. So then the Muslims they regrouped and said, "Fine, we'll just march march all the way up there." What do you, and you can't stop us then because <laughs> we outnumber you by a lot. Right, and that seemed to be working pretty well. Yeah, really. Uh, so and they get to Vienna, the king of France is Vienna its own country? No. V- so the capital of Austria and the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, was kind of in charge. Where is Vienna? I don't even know where it is. Eastern Austria. Okay. Yeah. The king of Austria, or the whoever it was, right. sent word to all the allies saying, send troops, we're going to be overrun. And they basically all said no, because if they send their troops, then there'll be no one to guard their own kingdom when the Muslims Which arrive. Which is kind of, we're kind of Bush League, right? Because they all made a pack ahead of time saying yeah. like, hey, if we get if we get attacked, you know, you guys bring all your guys in so that way we can, we can overthrow that, you know, we can win. Right. But no one, you know, no one stuck to their pact. Right. Except for Poland. And I think that, it's not that they didn't send anybody, but just, it wasn't... Did the Turks just show up on 9-11 or how did that work? Do you remember how the battle worked? Uh, so they showed up a couple months ahead of time. No, I mean, this is just the way I sum it up okay. for the, you know, the elevator. Right. But go ahead and fill in. So they they laid siege for a couple of months. So they dug trenches all the way around the city walls of Vienna, and they decided to wear them down. So if you laid siege, then you're going to eventually going to run out of all the major necessities. You're going to mm-hmm. run out of food. You're going to run out of uh, munitions. And then eventually you're going to surrender. So that's the whole idea behind siege. If you can't take it... Uh, full frontal attack. Also, part of the reason why it was Kar um, Mustafa, right? So he, this this leader of the Turkish army, he decided that he was going to lay siege pretty much for greed because there was this uh, general rule, an agreement in Islam and Muslim armies that if the commander says, we're going to have an all-out attack, then that means that Anybody who actually makes it into the walls of the city can plunder anything they want. But if they surrender to the army, then the general decides where does all the treasure go. Ah. Yeah. So (laughs) that's why he wouldn't do these major attacks either. Partially because he wasn't sure if they would work. Partially because he wanted to keep Vienna for himself. 
I see. Yeah. So anyway, this is going on for a couple of months, and not a lot of people are showing up. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody's sitting in their B league. Right. You yeah. know, everybody's sitting in like they'll say like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll help you," because that's our pact. But they're sitting, in, you know, the the bare minimum, the guys who who didn't make varsity. Yeah, the backup you know, backup. Stream. They're not getting yeah. a whole lot of help. Yeah, they're riding the pine for the most part. It's it's pretty bad. And then what happens? So uh, the Polish did decide to send their best warriors, which were known as the Winged Hussars. They were a cavalry cavalry unit, and they wore these huge wings on their back as they would charge into battle that had feathers on them, and so when they rode, it would make this whooshing sound. Um, and so you could actually hear them, hear them coming. Which intimidated people. Right. And, uh, you know, they had, I'm sure... They were well known uh, for if you have a hundred year undefeated streak. I mean, that's so, seems like something people would know about if you're in the the battling business. Yeah. Um, and so they left. They departed Poland from the shrine of Our Lady of Czestochowa and marched all the way to Vienna, arriving on September eighth, which is Mary's birthday, and then they charged in on the twelfth of September and basically just decimated and what the armies. And what were they saying as they charged? Oh, oh, right. They invoked the holy name of Mary and then charged. You can't forget that part. That's, <laughs> that's a big part. It's a very important part. Yeah. And they were very much outnumbered. Oh. The, the Hussars oh, were, yeah. were very they much were, outnumbered. They were a small Oh, yeah. But the, the, band. the great thing was is that, and Jan Sobieski, the king of the Poles, he realized what a bad general uh, Kara Mustafa was because, and probably partially because of his own pride, he didn't actually defend his own uh, camp at all. He put it all against the wall of Vienna. So there's this huge forest right next to Vienna. He didn't even guard against a flanking attack through the forest. He just put everybody against the wall in the siege works. And... You know, so the Polish show up, along with Leopold and the rest of the Holy Roman Empire and some of the Germans, and they're like, this guy didn't even defend himself from us. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, we're going to have to go through this forest, but hey, we're going to go I through mean, this the forest. I this is War 101. We should yeah. just be able to walk up to him. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. So they flank him through the forest, but then when they get th- about all the way through the forest on the on the late night of September 11th, then Jan Sobieski is disappointed because he sees, oh, the maps weren't exactly right. It's not a flat field of battle. We have to go down these cliffs. Mm. So he starts to, his engineer, who's French, said, maybe we should just go around or maybe we should try another strategy. And because that was a bit of a curveball right at the last minute. What kind of, are we talking cliffs here? Like so sheer? Precipice. So it might, you know, your horses might turn their ankles. A really steep, steep. Steep enough that they might not be able to handle with horses. But not straight down. You're not falling. You yeah, just, not like maybe cliffs. Maybe like just a, enough to make it a problem. A serious issue. Right. And this is on September 11th. Yes. This is the late night hours of September 11th. You know what I picture in my head is in The Lord of the Rings when Gandalf shows up with That's, the Rohirrim yeah. and charges down into the battle. I wouldn't be surprised if that was inspired. Yeah. Yeah. I okay, think. so we're going to pick up on this story on the other side of the break. Yes. That's a good If we don't, idea. I don't know what the rest of the episode will be about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting here, sipping the very first bottle of Winged Hussar Red by the Catholic Man Show. A Cabernet that's aged in Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels. The act, the very first bottle. I wasn't. I was thinking like I should save it for a long time, but this episode was just too good. Yeah, this was, is this is the it right was very time. apropos this is it. to open the bottle. Yeah. So when we uh, left on the break, it was uh, September 11th, late night. Right. Uh, Muslims had gone through the forest. The Christians had, yeah. The Christian. I'm sorry. The Christians had gone through the forest, and they're about to get attacked. The steep cliffs. So yeah, Sobieski sees steep some hills anyway. steep hills. hills, some precipices that were not in the maps. So he was not happy. But then he looks at the enemy camp. He looks at Mustafa's camp, and he sees he has no defenses. So this is a quote from Sobieski, the king of Poland. Quote: This man is badly encamped. He knows nothing of war. We shall certainly defeat him. And uh, then it's just a funny thing to say when you're looking at. <laughs> I mean, how big was how big was the Muslim army? So it was still larger than the seventy thousand fighters of the Christians. So certainly, I mean, it would be it would have been hundreds of thousands. Some of right? them ballpark at around two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand, including all of their like camps, additional camps, people, uh-huh. with cooks, and things. One hundred thousand yeah. cooks and support staff. Yeah. So uh, at this point, Mustafa was was um, the the Muslim general, the Grand Vizier, was counseled by his generals that you should probably defend yourself. And he says, I'm not giving up on the wall. We're going to keep on going on that wall, which was stupid. And <laughs> then so... Which is uh, dumb. But as an added precaution, he decided to slaughter all adult males among the 30,000 Christian slaves in the Ottoman camp. So he's massac- he massacred all of them. And just in case... The Christians got the upper hand during the battle, and the Christian slaves could turn on them. Right. And then um, the Muslims raped all the Christian women and then cut off the heads of all the old men and women who were slaves. uh, Just at the last minute. So uh, the battle started early morning on September the 12th, and uh, then... The Austro-Germans, they're out to avenge what Vienna had been subjected to. They fought very fiercely. And the Turks and the Tartars, remember the Tartars? There was with the, the Russian yeah. Muslims. Uh, they, were also, uh, they were also fighting with the Turks. But by afternoon, it's interesting, everybody just took a break because it was really hot for a little while. And uh, then... The- <laughs> you guys need a break? I could use a break. Yeah. Okay, cool. But chivalry was the real thing... Uh, back then, in wartime, like it, it was something like you know, there was codes of of war that, that even everybody... in World War Two, you know, you'd have a pause on Christmas Day, like right, right. okay, Merry Christmas. I mean, yeah, let's play know. soccer. Then, <laughs> I mean, so strategic, like strategic ideas only went so far, uh, sure, because you otherwise you could have like, well, we'll just tell them, you know, Christmas Day, we'll, we won't do anything, and then we go blow them up. But no, I mean, there was still this idea of chivalry of like, there's there's codes to war. And we uphold it. And then by afternoon, the large white banner emblazoned with the red cross appeared on the opposite slope. And all the Polish uh, hussars loudly calling on divine aid to the holy name of Mary and Jesus. They appeared to the Turks like a, quote, flood of black pitch coming down the mountain, consuming everything it touched. Another way to describe this is um, that he led the 
history's largest cavalry charge straight through the Muslim army uh, because the Mustafa, Kar Mustafa, basically gave him a big target. They had this huge flag of Islam right next to his tent. And so that way they could just aim all of their artillery and their entire charge right at Mustafa, mm-hmm. which is exactly what they did. And they cut off the head of the snake, cut right through the entire army. Mm-hmm. And then Mustafa ran for his life. And by sunset, some 15,000 Ottomans lay dead or dying on the ground. The rest, Mustafa himself, this man, quote, who thought to have invaded Western Europe, the Western Empire and carried everywhere fear and terror, fled as best they could back to Ottoman territory. And the now... Ab- I don't imagine he was welcomed home. Not so much. So with the, much. the camp alone, they'd been there for two months, was as large as Warsaw or Vienna. It was enormous. So he also left everything there for all the Christians to take. And then once he ran away, then uh, he was strangled to death by his own Muslim army, as by the order of the Sultan, on the 25th of December. <laughs> the dates you know it's just and i doubt they were doing that on you know i doubt that they were would want to do that unintentionally on a christian holiday you know yeah no yeah it's just the way it worked out we happen to notice these things right providence it's like oh that's that's brilliant thank you lord yeah (laughs) so well played (laughs) so afterwards the christians you know there's all this loot you know, it is. And it's interesting because Sobieski could have really gotten a big head about it. I mean, he does have like vodkas named after him and stuff. I don't know if you've had Sobieski vodka yeah. as one of your drinks yet. Oh, not here. Not, not, not on the show. Maybe you could. Maybe you could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, he's still an enormous hero in Polish history for good reason. But when he wrote to Pope Innocent, he decided to um, to have a paraphrase of Julius Caesar's famous phrase. He says... Back to Pope Innocent. We came, we caught, we we came, we saw, and God conquered. Nice. And that's actually carved into this enormous, like thirty foot by ten foot painting of the Battle of Vienna in the Vatican museums. Uh, so when you go to the Vatican museums, don't run through all the museums just to get to the Sistine Chapel and the the rooms of Julius II, the the Raphael rooms. Mm-hmm. Pause. Take a look on your left. You'll see, you'll have to stand back to the other side of the room, and you'll see this enormous life-size portrait of Jan Sobieski and the Polish Hussars there after the Battle of Vienna. And carved above, you have the psalm, uh, and below you have, we came, we caught, we saw God conquered. What so, is that in, in Latin, like... Vini Vidi uh, Vini Vini Vidi Vici was Julius I came so So he said in plural it would be like Vini so it's true but I think actually he probably even said I came like Vini Vidi Vici oh okay Vini Vidi and then like uh, it was Deus Vincit so Deus Vincit so so what would have been the ramifications if the the Hussars did not go in did not. Uh, win this battle what would have happened like why why was this so significant in like why was the battle of vienna so significant if if the polish hussars did not go in did not destroy did not conquer what would have happened probably the loss of christendom probably the islamization of the 
entirety of the con- uh, yeah, continent. We'd, we'd all Europe. be speaking a different language and Arabic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, and why? Well, it's so bad. It is. Why is that? So that was the entire point of the invasion. So the 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 point of the invasion is to make the world Muslim. And until it is, uh, then it should you should still uh, approach the world as just not yet Muslim. Uh, in fact, you have this idea that any place that had ever been invaded and conquered by Islam, even if they eventually, even centuries later, had been removed, like from Spain, that they have an obligation to reconquer Spain. Mm. So, and then also there's this idea of taqiyya, which is covered in this in this book as well. That uh, if you're in a non-Muslim country, then also you can you can swear anything to even get your children baptized, yourself baptized, go to mass every Saturday like they did in Spain. Uh, and until you have the upper hand, you can just pretend to be Christian, pretend to be Catholic. So that's part of the theology of sleeper cells as well. So anyway, they call it the Holy Name of Mary, and because the victory was on September the twelfth, uh, that's why that's that feast day. And to celebrate... Was that Pope Innocent's Pope doing? Innocent. Um, so he initially inaugurated the feast day. We had that from the 1600s all the way until 1969 with Arch, uh, Archbishop Bunini doing a lot of foolish things with the liturgy. And he removed it off the calendar. And uh, the Polish Pope, John Paul II, as soon as 9-11 hit, reinstituted the feast day of the Holy Name of Mary and the, the like they did back in... Uh, that time, the uh, Viennese bakers to celebrate created croissants in the shape of the crescent moon. So every time you have a croissant, you should remember the Christian victorious defense of Vienna and, yeah. and the successful defense of Christianity. So yeah, talk just a little okay, bit about. We have a whole another. We have one more segment that we. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. But why did 9/11 occur on September 11th? What? Why did they pick that day? It's like their way of saying the battle's not over. Yeah, because that was the last day that the Muslims had possession of the West. And a really good hope of conquering. Right, and so right. they were saying, you know, we're. I remember this day, we're celebrating it. Right. We're still here, we're still... So it's it, very this mission is not over. Right. The, the battle's not over. So if a faithful Muslim says, 9-11-1683, you know that that's pretty much a threat. It's kind of like if a Greek Orthodox says, 1204, to a Roman Catholic... That means they're still bitter about the crusade sacking Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we don't know these dates, we'll look and are ignorant. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So that's why I think it's, I just think it's funny. John Paul II. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. Okay, fine. Well. Back on the calendar. I'll put the Holy Name of Mary back on the calendar yep. and we'll whoop you the same way we did last time. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, was, that that's so, that's so crazy that 9-11 happened. You know, for a specific reason, you know. That right. It wasn't just a random day. Right. Which it's I always thought it was. Nine one one. Come on. Yeah. Right. That's dumb. Right. <laughs> so when we get back, we will uh, talk a little bit about how to talk to your coworkers about nine eleven that is coming up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and ways that'll that that's a, a great way to evangelize. So we'll be right back. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Father Sean Donovan, priest of God. Okay. So, okay. So here is the earth. Round, you may say. Round. Um, so they, they wipe these people out. And they, the Christians in Vienna, okay. they go out and um, are collecting the spoils of war. And what, right. what, what is it that they find? Well, they found these strange brown beans that they knew were Muslim drink, that if you grind them and pour hot water over them, you can have a drink. And uh, it's indigenous to uh, the uh, Arabian Peninsula and like Yemen and northern Africa. And it, in ancient Arabic, the word is to lack hunger. Cafe. Uh, coffee. Which back in the 1500s, um, yeah, it was 1500s, they brought a cup of coffee to Pope Innocent VIII. And they said, okay, we know, and this is a quote, I'm not, this is not my... Uh, own perspective. But they said, Holy Father, we know that this is the drink of the spawn of Satan, but what do you think? Can we have some? Yeah, because there are some people who said Christians can't drink coffee. Right. you can't drink coffee as a Muslim drink, you can't do that. So the Pope, also, I mean, he's an Italian, so, I mean, you might have already a, some, some predisposition <laughs> to coffee. So he, he has a cup of coffee and he says, we will baptize this drink. And make it our own. We will cheat Satan. We will cheat Satan, baptize this drink, and make it our own. And ever since then, actually, from the 1500s on, with the Counter-Reformation and the, and the Jesuits, that was one of the primary cash crops that the Jesuits would teach indigenous peoples to grow around the world in the proper climates and created very wealthy new Catholic colonies. Didn't he even make a, a, a write a papal bull over it? I don't know. Did I've he? heard. I've heard that he did. I've not seen it, but I've heard that he wrote a papal bull. That's a great story. In, in yeah, order, not, in order to clear it up, because there was a lot of contention over Christians drinking coffee. So anyway, in Vienna, right. they go out. They find these co- this coffee. Right. And what what do the the local bakeries? Well, what do? goes with coffee? You know, you got to have some pastries. So to celebrate, they have to create some pastries in the shape of the Muslim uh, emblem or flag, a crescent moon. Right. So a croissant. So the croissant, this is the birthday of the the croissant. croissant. So every time you have a croissant and a cup of coffee, or if you don't drink coffee, that's okay, but at least have a croissant, you should remember the victory in Vienna and the successful defense of Christendom. Mm -hmm. So croissants taste like victory. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, so 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 here's what I do. Uh, On September 12th, I will go to a local bakery and get some... Nice, you know, because there's a difference between Pillsbury croissant. I mean, which I'll, okay. I'll, I'll eat They're Pillsbury fine. croissant. But Come to Pahuska. We'll get you some really. Yeah, nice if you go to a, a nice bakery, <laughs> you you can get. It's like wow, now that's a croissant. Oh yeah. Um, so I'll get a box full of them and take them with me to the office Ooh. and pass them out <laughs> and say, hey, do you want today? And what I'll say is, today's the birthday of the croissant. Would you like one? And they say. You know, most who's going to turn down a croissant? And it's like, oh, that's a good looking croissant. So people will say, sure. And I'll say, yeah. So here's what happened. And I'll give them that quick, that quick story. So, you know, the Muslims invaded, they lost at Lepanto. They tried to come back at Vienna. Oh, nobody, you know, they were going to lose. The Polish hussars came in, invoked the holy name of Mary, and decimated them. And and they, they sat around drinking coffee and eating croissants as a way of mocking 
the the flag of the the Muslim army saying, you know, this is I'm eating your flag, you know. Um, and so it's a great way to evangelize. It's like a sneak attack. It is. <laughs> With pastries. Yeah, just like the 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 hussars. The hunger, a, hussars a sneak attack. Yeah. yeah. So um and then you tie it into 9-11. Cause right. until that, if you have to tie it into 9-11, otherwise people think like, oh, it's just a religious story, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But once you say like, that's why they attacked on 9-11, people, their eyes get big and like, now it's what? American. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they'll say, really? Like, yes. Yes. That is why that they picked that day because of this battle and because of the croissant, you know? And so every, uh, every year I like to do this and it always, Works very, very well. <laughs> so let's talk about the Winged Hussars just for a little bit. Because yeah. um, what right. an iconic cavalry. Yeah. What, you know, it's interesting. I was asking my wife the other day. I keep day. saying cavalry. 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 You know, that used to be such a huge part of, of an army. And now it's like, it's not existing anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean. It's decorative. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. The cavalry became anybody, the tanks. Is there any, yep. is there any left? Probably for fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, think that. Did you even think the U.S. has some? Yeah, there there are cavalry units, like not for war, but you know, for like in major cities, sometimes you'll see police on horses. Yeah, but that's not like. I mean, but they're on horse. I mean, and they they do have. If you're asking, there are police and military units that are on horseback. I knew but they're not. Did, but I mean, they're I'm not charging. Military. They're not charging into battle. No. On horses. Okay, but know. let's let's go over it. So so, so helicopters. They had, the, they had these really long pikes, right? So the pikes for distance... Like a big spear. B- big spear. You had a musket, you had a pike, you had also swords mm-hmm. for really close combat. And like we talked about with the metal wings and the real feathers in the metal wings creating the white noise, so you could fire a musket right next to your horse's head, they weren't at all distracted or scared by the blast of a musket. So you had these fearless horses and fearless riders conquering anybody that came into their path through muskets, spears, and swords. And the musket was a relatively new weapon. Yeah. Uh, which I don't even actually, think relatively. I think it was just a new, new well, weapon. I mean, yeah, and it was actually, I believe, invented by the Muslims. It, I, I don't know that for a fact, so know. do not quote me on that. I but won't. Yeah, I think that yeah. they invented the rudimentary projectile with gunpowder. And I think if you want to go check out a full suit of winged hussars armor you can go to the um chicago institute of art mm. they have a full suit of armor there the winged no hussars. kidding yeah i'm pretty sure it's chicago because i was up there you know walking through their military unit Whew, look at that i think i took a photo i should have taken a selfie but i'm not that young <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, there actually are full suits of Muslim Hussar armor that you can find in museums. So, well worth checking out. Totally. So, Juan, uh, his son actually went as a wing in Hussar for Halloween this last year. Which is the coolest you could possibly have for a costume. Juan, did you make it all yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'd be tough. I I don't know if you can just, you know, go to a costume shop and pick up a a (laughs) wing at Hussar. But we we did mention that they were... Undefeated in battle for a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, two hundred years by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, by the end of their their kind of reign, the hussars were undefeated by mm-hmm. by the very end of two hundred years. But it just everything yeah. about them, except for the wings, it's like the the Rohirrim 
from right. J.R.R. Tolkien, I he think he probably ripped it off. I yeah. think has to, had to have been inspired or by paid tribute to. Yeah, paid tribute right. to. I mean, right. exactly. Certainly in the movie, whoever produced the movie made. The, I mean, because they appear on this cliff oh, and they yeah. they ride down this steep steep de- decline. Right. I mean, it sounds just like this into uh, an army that was sieging a wall. Uh. Uh-huh. You know, uh, and they just wiped them out so that they turned and fled. I mean, in, in the movie, you see these horses just plowing through it. I mean, it's almost <laughs> like they're just running them over, you know, yeah. and just plowing them down. There's something about Poland, like like Poland and and Mary and the combination. Like, I just pray someday it be the Lord's will that my boys like marry a Polish girl. Because it just seems like that Poland is just so, I mean, they, they, Dude. they understand. Well, like, like Dave mentioned that. You know, King Sobieski intentionally began his ride down after stopping the Black Madonna in Chestahova. Right. Now we're going to go fight. Right. You know, we could arrange something. My girls are, in fact, Polish. That's true. And you guys are not related. That's true. We could could go ahead (laughs) ahead and arrange this. We could arrange this right now. That would be Let me talk to my wife. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that it's would a- just add like so much craziness to our friendship story. <laughs> like we were best friends, now we live across the street from each other, our kids grew up together, and now our And our- we arranged their marriage. <laughs> yeah. It's like the end of the office. You know, it's every parent's dream. <laughs> yeah. Your kids grow up and they marry each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean that that's that's the beauty of of what they did is they always were very intentional about invoking the name of Mary and right. and the Polish you know uh, Pope Pope John Paul II was very clear in saying no 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 okay if they did that we're gonna we're gonna bring back the holy name of Mary yeah. onto the calendar and how many Catholics would even be aware of this unless they listened to the Catholic Man Show drank your wine or best case scenario did all the above and went to daily mass thank you right. So if you go to Daily Mass, you're going to learn all these great things about the faith that you will miss out on. Or if you read said books. Right. You read a few books. So, yeah. Those books are all very good. Actually, there's another book that Diane Mozar, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, Mozar maybe. Um, So there's another book that she wrote. It's called uh, like The Seven Myths of the Catholic Church, which is also excellent. It's much more popular, I think, much more well-known than this one. But this is kind of like a good kind of overall history. It'd be kind of like a Catholic uh, compendium or companion piece to the Sword and the Scimitar. But if you just want to read about the Siege of Vienna, just read a book called The Siege of Vienna. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so September 12th is coming up next week. It's not this not this Thursday, but next Thursday. So make sure to show up to your office with croissants and coffee. And it's if you can't, actually Wednesday or the twelfth is Thursday, September eleventh is Wednesday. Right, but you want right. to drink the coffee and croissants on the twelfth. Why not both? Oh, why not both? We're both and faith. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And if you can't if you can't show up, at least in yourself, have a coffee and croissant Absolutely. on the twelfth. Go to Mass and bow at the holy name of Mary yes. during the liturgy. That's right. General Instruction 285. Hey, thanks so much, Father. Thank I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So, so raise re- your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Cheers to Jesus.